Welcome to the Self Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. I am the author of The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap, and the creator of the Codependency Cure and Hitch Trauma Resolution Treatment Programs. If you identify with codependency, which I renamed to Self-Love Deficit Disorder, or you're caught in the crosshairs of narcissistic abuse or gaslighting, you've come to the right place. Expect the very best information that I know, whether from my own personal journey of recovery or through my 35 years of professional experience. What separates my work from others is my understanding of the origin of the problem, the solutions, and the necessity to take responsibility for one's broken picker that always points them to the dream of the soulmate, but the nightmare of the cellmate. So join my self-love recovery community and set your sights on the cure, self-love abundance. So glad to have you back on my podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about another way to think of, conceptualize, or even imagine gaslighting. Gaslighting is a very, very tricky subject. There are so many people out there everywhere that has an opinion on it, and a lot of them have it wrong or they only have part of the picture. I actually prefer most of them having it mostly right than nothing being out there at all. So some is better than nothing, but my job both as a psychotherapist and an educator is to explain the phenomena, whether it's gaslighting or any other phenomena, theories, or concepts that I include in my work to help people understand what's wrong with them, what's blocking them, what is causing them pain, and most importantly, why they can't see it or why it seems invisible to them. So in gaslighting and all, so in the subject of gaslighting, I've spent a lot of time thinking, writing, explaining things. In my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, I have a whole chapter on gaslighting. I have a six-hour seminar that's available at myselfloverecovery.com, and I talk about it all the time because it is part and parcel to the the self-love deficit disorder problem, aka codependency, that you guys know is my primary focus. I have come to understand that an SLD, someone who's self-love deficient, a codependent, has been gaslit as a child in order to survive the relationship they had with their narcissistic parent. So if you think of it this way, if you have a narcissistic parent that's always going to have a favorite child, it's always going to have a favorite person, and that favorite person is going to have to make him or her feel good about themselves, or at the very worst, not provoke or trigger a narcissistic injury. And so if you think of, say, two children, and one child somehow is not pleasing to the narcissist, is not able to be the trophy child, the good child, the child that spontaneously, naturally, and reflexively knows the right thing to do, when to do it, and how to do it. That child that can gauge his or her environment, monitor it, be hypervigilantly tuned into it, and find a way to make themselves safer with the parent they want so badly to love them, the narcissist, who really cannot unless somehow that child can mold herself or allow herself to be molded into the type of child the parent can feel loved. Four, and this whole process, and it's described in a chapter in my Human Magnet Syndrome book, explains the development of codependency or self-love deficit disorder. A child who can suspend her reality and take on the reality of the narcissistic parent, her, and by the way, I say her, it could be him, control her impulse to be an individual, control the natural, genetically programmed, evolutionary designed impulse to grow to mature, to individuate, to explore the world, but 
to control that and be small enough and beautiful or handsome and loving enough or good enough to make their narcissistic parent happy, that child is spared a tremendous amount of trauma that if they were unable to do, would have destroyed their ability to come out of their childhood with any decent mental health. And that in itself is the explanation for the development of personality disorders like narcissistic personality disorder. So if we understand the, the cauldron within which the child of a narcissist and a codependent parent is raised in, which I call attachment trauma, to survive, and that means to feel loved and to be loved by a person who is severely psychologically compromised, the pathological narcissist, they submit themselves consciously and unconsciously to the molding hands of the narcissist. They allow their mind, their self-esteem, their self-concept to be commandeered, to be taken away from them, stolen, tugged, torn away from them, either by aggression, passive aggression, or covertly in a way that they can't even remember or realize. So to get through this childhood, to survive the family, they become the parent's narcissistic dream child, the gift child. To get to that point, a child has to figure out who they are. Because if they resist the gaslighting, the narcissistic parents, if they resist him or her, they'll hold on to their identity they'll be angry and they'll be resentful. And therefore, they will be the target, the moving target for the narcissist who will always project the worst parts of himself or herself onto this child. And this child will grow up traumatized beyond repair. But to the child who can accept what the narcissist wants, who can take it, bring it in, become it, mold the parts of themselves that just don't quite fit and believe it so deeply that they don't know who they were before this process. This child has become gaslit by the narcissistic parent's good child narrative. Got a part in my book about this. The narcissist who has also a narrative of the good parent in his or her mind wants to be the parent that they never had. And to do that, they need to take that fantasy and put it on a fantasy for a child. So they find the one child who is deeply desiring, hungry, craving the love, the respect, the caring, the protection, the trust of, of a parent who is willing to mold themselves to be molded. And they not only lose themselves, but they identify with what the narcissist wants them to be, gaslighting. So to define gaslighting, just to, so you know that we're on the same page. So gaslighting is a severe mental health condition in which a person identifies with a serious problem, a debilitating problem, characteristics, uh, limitations that they never had. But because the narcissist systematically manipulated their environment, they were able to prove to this victim, gaslit SLD codependent, that they really are this person who is severely limited by this problem. And once it is proven, which is really not proven, but of course you know that, once it's proven to the, the victim, then they submit to the problem, they become the problem, and the problem is established. And from that point, the gas lighter, again, systematically manipulates the environment. So the problem increases to the point that the person is debilitated. 
And the only one that this poor SLD or codependent believes that accepts them unconditionally is the gaslighter because the gaslighter has manipulated them to believe that no one loves them like he or she does, that the world is unsafe, and the people that they thought were loved ones who cared and loved them are not. So once debilitated by this gaslit narrative, I'm horrible, no one loves me. I'm too skinny, I'm too heavy, I'm too tall, I'm not smart enough, I'm, I'm, I'm too depressed, I have mental health issues. Once the gaslit victim becomes that, then the narcissist has complete control, that they have limited all of their friends and loved ones, they have set up blockades, barriers, for both the, the victim, gaslit victim, to seek help, but also the same blockades and barriers for those who want the help. And that is a really, really sad story. So that's gaslighting. Gaslighting is the acceptance of a contrived, made-up narrative about a person's mental health problems, emotional problems, physical limitations, any other limitation that is proven over and over again that the person who once didn't know or didn't think they have it, they adopt that problem in the most severe levels. And then the rest of the story is sadly written. So that's gaslighting. The purpose of this discussion is to talk about another way of looking at gaslighting. It's gaslighting by what is not said. It's an idea that came to me in my own therapy session because I kept talking to my therapist, and this was probably about five years ago. I don't remember my parents ever calling me ugly, and I thought I was ugly. And I don't remember them ever calling me dumb, and I thought I was dumb. And I remembered getting good grades, like B's, good grades, but I don't remember being smart. So if I have spent my whole life, in my case, it was up to around age 40, thinking that I was not good looking, I, I, you know, women would find me undesirable, and that my intelligence wasn't real, I just worked really hard, and no one put that on me. Well, how did I become gaslit? Because I eventually found out it was wrong. <laughs> and I'm not here to say, wow, I'm handsome and, and I'm smart. I'm kind of teasing, but eventually I came to understand the reality of who I am and what I am. So they didn't say it, but I was gaslit, and it hit me, boom. It's not what they said. It's not the narrative they tried to inculcate and plant in me. It's what they didn't say. Now think of it. If you are an evil, manipulative person and you want someone to be insecure, well, I mean, you could always cut them down, humiliate them, berate them, minimize their accomplishments, and because they're not true, and you are doing this purposefully, it's gaslighting. But what happens if you also want the same outcome, but you use another technique. You don't say anything. A child comes home with gold stars and a happy face on a second grade assignment, and he's so proud and comes up to daddy, the narcissist, or mommy, it could be both ways. I mean, one parent's usually a narcissist, the other is a codependent or SLD. And the narcissist knows that this child is getting too big for her britches, which is a bizarrely wild, dysfunctional thought. And he doesn't want this child to become too confident, have too much self-esteem, because that's really annoying. He doesn't understand that it's because of his insecurity, but that's how narcissists are. So he doesn't say anything. The child just is like beaming with pride. 
And, you know, mommy says something, but goes to the narcissist daddy, and he says, oh, that's good. When I was a kid, I got that all the time. Nothing special. But what if he didn't say anything? He's reading a paper. This is an old time scenario. He's looking at his iPad, reading the news, <laughs> and he looks at the child who is just craving for affirmation, says, oh, okay, and looks down. He does not want to say anything because he does not want her to get too confident because that's the child he loves the most. That's the child that does almost anything for him to make her feel accepted and very conditionally loved. So throughout this child's childhood, everything she does, she constantly is pushing herself to do things good enough to be able to show daddy and possibly get crumbs of affirmation. But daddy knows, no, no, no. This girl, if she gets too much self-esteem, I won't be able to control her. Remember this fact, gaslighters have either sociopathic traits or tendencies or are sociopathic fact. And I say that because gaslighters know what they're doing. They're not like people with narcissistic personality disorder who are just oblivious of the world and, and think they're the best and the greatest, and they aren't. The gaslighter has a plan. And in this situation, the type of gaslighting is not what is said, not what is done, but the opposite. It is a campaign starting from the earliest years all the way up to the later adolescence where that gaslighting narcissistic parent has a bond, an enmeshed close bond to a child who constantly craves affirmation and love. So much so she ignores the other parent that is willing to give it to her. In my case, it was my mom trying to get what she couldn't get and still Every time she tries to do something good enough to get daddy's attention, the narcissist's attention, no comment. So during her childhood and her adolescence, early adulthood, this relationship template is built. And that's part of my human magnet syndrome concept. It's a primary concept. The relationship template is this unconscious knowing, belief, understanding of what feels safe and familiar therefore is attractive. If you believe no one will love you for who you are, but only for what you do or not do, then you feel confident in that role because you know how to make another person happy. That's the relationship template. You got that in childhood and you bring that into adulthood. It's unconscious. And when you meet someone, that chemistry feeling, is the interaction of relationship templates. So by the time a child who has been gaslit by what was not said becomes old enough for adult romantic relationships, they are going to vis-a-vis -vis the human magnet syndrome, fall in love with, become attracted to, want to lose their identity with a person that is familiar like the narcissist parent of their past, who they know how to treat love and to deal with with ease like walking in the dark and that person will continue that narcissist codependent legacy to the next generation and that unfortunate adult who was gaslit now finds themselves in relationships where with narcissists who do the same thing that is how the human magnet syndrome works again if you want more information about that check it out in the book and they are susceptible to the same type of gaslighting by what is not said. They find 
Unconsciously, the safe, familiar person is the narcissist that doesn't compliment them. The narcissist who is silent, who underneath his breath says the truth, but when no one is listening. So if you are an SLD, self-love deficient, a codependent, and you are in a recovery process, I call it self-love recovery. In fact, my treatment program is called the Self-Love Recovery Treatment Program. Got 11 stages, very complicated, but it's what I do. So if you are in a recovery program and trying to find who was that person you could have become that your narcissistic and codependent or SLD parent stole from you for very selfish reasons, it's gonna help you to understand that gaslighting was a big part of your childhood. And if it's not really clear, then consider the concept, what wasn't said. The process of cementing your self-esteem, your self-love deficiency, your self-hatred, your self-abandonment, your self-love deficit disorder, it was that early gaslighting. No matter what you did in order to get affirmation, it always was meant by emptiness, nothingness. So then, you knew you were not that. You had to be the opposite. And I know the suffering. My clients know the suffering. So should this discussion fascinate you, motivate you to look further into what happened to you, help you understand both the process of gaslighting and your self-love deficit disorder, then know this very important truth. You don't have to be what you are not. It's much easier to remove all the layers of who you are not to get to who you could have been than to try to be something when there's someone in the background who's actively trying to push it down and destroy it. So please know that you can come out of this nightmare. You are not the person that you thought you were. That is what another person needed you to think so they would be comfortable, secure, and be able to exploit you like a parasite exploits its host. So with that, I wish you the very, very safest journey of understanding, recollection, and ability to take this complicated puzzle and put each piece together so eventually it shows you this pattern of this hurt, wounded, traumatized child that you once were. Be well, and don't ever forget it's never too late to be the person you could have been. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.